Hi guys, welcome back to another Train Brave podcast. I'm Rini McGregor. And I'm Chris Hendy. And guys, today this is our last um, episode for this series. So thank you again, as always, for all the amazing feedback you have given us. Um, We really hope we've been a useful and helpful companion, particularly through these very strange times. Um, We weren't sure we'd be able to maintain the podcast over the lockdown, but, but I'm really glad that we have been able to. And thank you for putting up with... Um, slightly kind of poorer signals and and an audio but um, I think you've all taken away some really great messages um, so yeah we'll be back in a few weeks we're going to take a few weeks off and then we'll be back um, and next series is all about us interviewing lots of new people and hopefully Chris and I'll be back together even if it is at social distance we will still be back together recording in the same room yeah I think it'd be nice to, well, hopefully we'll be able to get into the same room again and uh, work with our team and kind of be able to produce a little bit sharper quality content but I think this all come across really well hasn't it this last season it's been a it's been a really good with the with the live the live content we've done with people jumping in on the zoom chat and and some of the uh and some of the content we've covered it's been really really effective and it's been such a powerful well, such, a, such a change of life well, such a moment in time isn't it for everyone these last couple of months that yeah it's been it's actually been really good to be able to do this podcast in that time so uh, hopefully it's come across that way yeah, all right. all right guys so today we're gonna to be doing a Q&A we're gonna be finishing our season off with a Q&A because again we always get loads of questions coming in and we just feel like there's so many nuggets of nuggets of gold that we come out of those questions and as always the questions that you ask are often questions that other people are thinking of um, and it's just some, hopefully you guys can all take away something from today so I'm gonna jump straight in and Rini question came in um how quickly can i build up my training once my period has returned this is such a good question and it is one i probably get asked about five times a week um i think a lot of people get really excited i mean it's been really nice i have to admit this last week i've probably had about five or six emails from people i've worked with saying oh my period has come back which is amazing and and brilliant news Um, but it's very easy for people to get complacent and and kind of go okay well I've got it back now tick box and move on remember we're that kind of mentality um but you have to remember that your body is still very 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 sensitive at this stage and um we usually say that you you know the standard protocol is you need to have six to twelve periods to really really establish a good um a good pattern and know that your body has finally accepted that the threat of starvation and overtraining and stress has disappeared however generally speaking what I say is as long as you've had three consistent periods then you can start to consider um, increasing your training load or intensity a little bit after three months but with always knowing in the back of your mind that you probably need just to be aware that if you you know you suddenly if the if the um, cycle gets a bit longer or it gets a bit lighter then that may be telling you something so just being very vigilant um, and it's not like you, you definitely can't go in all guns blazing so it's like returning from an injury right you wouldn't go straight back into where you where you were you know before the injury you you would build yourself up very very slowly and it's the same process it's 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 almost like the way I like the analogy I like to use is is a one of a seesaw is that you're kind of like when someone hasn't got a period they're obviously in some sort of deficit there's an imbalance and so the seesaw's tipped one way and when we've got you back up to getting your period back you've probably like leveled out the seesaw so you're starting on a level playing field 
and then it's going to take a while to tip it the other way but you need to do that quite sensibly yeah and then obviously with the training side of things it's kind of working alongside you know having a team around you that are able to kind of build and progress you back into training so whatever your type of training is run bike swim weight training gym training classes you know you, need, you just you, you i would you know I, I think you need someone to moderate that help you moderate that you know have someone in your corner that you can talk to and say look i want all mine doing a little bit more of this know what do you think and it's like well yeah i mean you know and obviously for us we talk about you know basics or just getting back into the gym or doing some basic bodyweight training resistance band work and then build, building upon that you know make sure you have you know enjoying your training again get back into enjoy your training but just being have someone in your corner that you can talk to to say okay well you know i want to do one or two sessions a week is that okay and, and obviously we do because obviously we're just trying to layer that intensity you know you're slowly trying to progressively build up your overall conditioning but also your kind of the that energy availability you want to make sure that you're kind of managing that appropriately the whole way through that be yeah. fair to say? absolutely and also we you know with the people we work with who you know we're very fortunate once we start working with people they generally want to stay working with us and they, they want to use us to be accountable to we are regularly monitoring them so i'd be i am monitoring people's bloods um, ongoing and also asking certain questions because we have to remember there is a slight pathopsychology involved as well in terms of people having the need to push hard um which is probably about something much more deeper rooted it's not really about um, the next, you know they'll they'll put it on that well if only I'll only get results if I push hard but the reality is that's not true the reality is that your behavior is probably masking emotion you don't want to really deal with and so there'll be still the ongoing work in helping individuals work out what was the cause of them you know creating those dysfunctional behaviors that then led them to not having a period in the first place like fundamentally we want to like we've always said create sustainable athletes that can continue without having to fall back on those same old um coping strategies yeah and i think well, that's where like training isn't just training you know which you know we're, we're within that process you've kind of you creating these new habits where you've kind of you've, you've gained a bit more of an insight into your own behaviors and your the, the reason why but then you know going back into training it might not look the same way as it did before you know because obviously how, how you were training put you into that position in the first place so obviously the way coming out of this you hopefully you should have a bit of a clear idea of like what's appropriate what's not what, what's manageable what's not and looking to then build upon that so the type of training hopefully you know that's what we I, I certainly try to install is that better education so better understanding of what you know, like how to layer intensity when to rest when to taper back when to build you know what and there's there is a skill to that there is a science to that and that comes from obviously you having a you know, at the strong people in your corner looking after you so i mean you know coming out of the whole process of getting your period back is self-education and then coming out of that into training back into lifestyle. It's again, it's self-education. It's like, okay, I don't want to go back to that place. You, you're going to do that by obviously having a much better awareness of yourself and of the, I guess the science of it and the, the balance of things. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So I'm going to ask you a question because I think this is often ignored, but why does my mental stress have an impact on my training? I think as a coach, you very quickly become aware of obviously your clients' 
like stress levels you know when they come into the gym when you're working with someone one-on-one even in even in a zoom environment you know face-to-face virtually you know you can sense someone's stress levels and we all have it you know lifestyle relationships work and some people obviously use it to leverage use it you know to leverage their training you know they'll use it as fuel as it were to kind of thrash out a session to kind of alleviate that stress but the danger of that is obviously you're rolling you're riding a very dangerous roller coaster of emotions and in terms of physiologically your hormonal levels you know your cortisol levels everything like that you're kind of you're in a very it's a very dangerous path you're on and so for me as a coach always becoming very aware of in those first five minutes talking to someone you know in the first in the warm-up kind of starting to just just open some open-ended questions just to find out where that individual's at kind of just how they're managing their week their day how stressed they are because it's going to determine the level of work i'm going to be putting into them and that same thing with um someone's like 12 week program if they're coming to me and they're kind of a highly stressed individual they come off the back of 12 months of say no period or they they they're, or they work they're, they're a high uh, high-working, highly strung professional that's very successful. They're coming into a program in a, in a certain place, and I know to achieve optimal results, we're going to have to try and find a way of minim- managing that stress level. And it's very da- it's very easy to manipulate that level of stress and get someone to work hard, smash it, you know, pump it up, like let's go, let's go. It's, that's easy, but it's also reckless. And there's no there's no experience there. There's no understanding of that. Actually, that you're just making things worse. You may be getting on the outside. You might be getting some better results. You're getting a sweat. You're getting a good pump. You might even get a little bit leaner. And yeah, but internally, you're you're ragging the body. And you're in terms of stress, you are ragging and ragging the body completely. And there is such a there is an art to coaching. There's an art to the to training. And like you know, when I work with Rini every week. I check in with her and I, you know, and our first few questions are, you know, first little first few questions of the week. I'm like, you know, how's your weekend? How's everything going? She's come off, you know, and some weeks are good. Some weeks she's come off the back of a massive week of work, ton of clients she's worked with. And I can tell straight away she's, she's here, but she's only 50% with me. So I know immediately, even via Zoom, that I know I cannot, cannot, and I will not overload her. Um, it's my job to make, manage her and give her, give her a good workout give her what she needs but i have to back off the intensity so stress is a huge one a huge one and right now we are surrounded with it right in all shapes and sizes and for us to manage to try and manage our stress with our training is very very dangerous and i think and you again you, you need to have people in your corner to help you moderate that what do you think yeah no absolutely i think also as always the messages around mental health and exercise have been completely confused like if you go away and actually look at the science behind your mental health and um uh, and exercise while we know exercise can help to a certain degree with your mental health if you look at what it looks like it's actually more about movement it's more about kind of low to moderate intensity movement for an hour a day is what they say can help you with your mental health but actually if you start to add an in a layer of intensity particularly on top of someone who is maybe struggling with their mental health um you you actually make things a lot worse for that person you actually add to their mental stress and i know that 
last week was global running day and somebody one of my uh, my friends that they were doing a little video and they're like can you tell us about why you love running and one of the things i said on that video was you know running's also a really good way of me checking in with my body because i'm very conscious that there have been certain times of my life when i have been so incredibly mentally stressed like when i was going through um my divorce and at times where I've been about building up the business and and also you know when like actually when Ella was really sick over the lockdown period I was incredibly stressed out and during that time running wasn't what I needed like I would I would try but as soon as I started running within 10 minutes I would know actually this is not what my body needs right now and I'm always very very good at responding to that and going right you know what there's no point because this is going to add to my stress levels and so I think I think it's really important we we use this terminology I need to do this for my mental health but actually if you really think about your mental health sometimes your mental health needs space sometimes mental health needs um calmness it doesn't need you know like pumping and, and and loads of loads of adrenaline it actually needs just a moment to just sit by the river and watch the river moving like that's what I ended up having to do when I was incredibly stressed I would you know I'd I'd run couldn't run so I'd go okay I'll just walk and I just walked to a point by the river sit by the river for 10-15 minutes would feel a little bit calmer and then I'd walk back and and I think it's being able to have that connection with yourself that's so important yeah and uh, i think you know with some of my guys they might come in and they're so wired or they're so ready that they're not they're not even ready to go um that we, we might go for coffee or we'll go for a lot we'll go for a, an, an, like a very easy jog on the river and then we'll take it take it down to a walk and literally it will be a moment to vent you know to vent or just to clear the clear the head and as you say like when you work, I've got a great community of people that I work with, like remotely and obviously face to face, but every single person has their own stresses, right? Everyone has their, their own things that they have to deal with. And for us, it's obviously trying to moderate, help people moderate that, like to work their way through that. And there's always going to be more stress from somewhere. That's just life, right? But it's, 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 don't put yourself in a situation where someone is using that kind of to fuel your training like you there's so many as i really said there's so many different ways to, for you to to be able to control that to work through that walk you know just spending time with friends you know getting out many of you leverage stress as a way of tra training um on your own in your house in the gym and guys a lot of the best ways to actually manage stress is obviously spending time with other people or you know like getting out um so and now we're in, obviously now we're able to do that um i would certainly look to balance that in a different way and i think just just to add there because also we have been through an incredibly strange time and i still don't think people have um accepted that the the scenario around us is impacting them because i think you just go well you know it is what it is and i've got to get on with it but actually please don't underestimate <clears throat> the impact of the fact that we have we've had a constant state of threat for the last 12 weeks um you know we've been told that there's this, this this virus out there that can kill you which is quite scary for a lot of people we've um our whole life has changed we keep hearing about this new normal which i don't think many of us want to hear about because we were quite happy with the old normal thank you very much and um you know there's a lot of uncertainty still like we're, things are changing on a daily basis but there's still a lot of like 
well, what is the consequence of that? And what will be the consequence of that? And I know that's, that's daily life anyway, but if it's adding to an already layer of change, that can feel very, very, very uncomfortable for people. And one thing I will, I will ask you to do, <clears throat> excuse me, one thing I'll ask you guys to do is to, to really think about your behaviours because something I'm noticing more and more and more, particularly as the weeks have gone on, is that people are using their training as an excuse to not stop and experience an emotion. They're not curious about their emotions. They are avoiding them. They are running away from them. They know that if they stop and have to sit with them, they're going to have to deal with something that maybe feels a little bit icky or a bit uncomfortable for them. But if you don't ever experience those emotions, if you don't, if you're not curious about them, it's not even experiencing, it's being curious. It's about, you know, where has that, that, that emotion of not feeling adequate or that emotion of sadness or loneliness come from? And what can I do about it? And if you just keep, if you keep thrashing yourself in training, all you're doing is pushing it down and pushing it down and pushing it down. And at some point it will come back and bite you in the bum. Because if you keep doing what you're doing, you will inevitably get injured or ill, which means you will have to stop your training. And this is what I see is that people only address what's going on for them when the wheels fall off. Let's prevent the wheels from falling off. Like exercise should be training, exercise, it should be fun and enjoyable fundamentally. And then you can add a level of goal and an outcome on top of that. Um, and if you don't enjoy it, I would ask yourself, why are you doing it? I had one of my girls the other day. She's, she's, she's amazing. She's a great, great, um, great girl. But I actually asked her, I said, why, why run? Why do you run? Why do you run? And it's because because obviously she is somewhere at some point she thought running was the only, it's her way of de-stressing. But actually when we talked, we deep dive a little bit, actually she does it because she feels she has she has to do it it's a pressure that she's created and she actually create, it creates more stress for her because she's worried about her times and you know and there's, it's almost, and actually there's so much anxiety and what she actually enjoys is actually she likes to just train she likes to ride she likes to row she likes to um and she probably knows who she is when listening to this and and i said well just you know don't run as don't you know don't feel like you have to run like you could just take a take a back seat you know you, if you ride if you ride and you're rowing and you like to strength train just enjoy those and then because it's amazing how often we can create this stress because it's it's something that we've created ourselves as an, an expectation that we have to fulfill and and it just takes someone to say why or change it up or you know like you don't have to do that and it's, and it's a revelation but so yeah stress is a real it's a real leverage point that people get abused by mm. ourselves and by others and just it's having that maturity to kind of and that experience to step back and ask and not use it as a tool um so yeah i think it's a it's a big one stress um and it's all always be with us won't it yeah definitely Rini. yes this is i'm not asking this but it's something that's been asked um why do i get swelling of the feet and hands so quite a simple but quite a blunt one but um yeah so this can be, you know, this actually, you can often get swelling even in your legs. Like I've had people who've had really bad swelling in their calves and stuff. And, um, and the cause is usually because you are breaking down muscle. So you're not fueling your body sufficiently. So if you've done like people might notice, particularly if they've done um, very long rides and they're not quite getting the fueling correct or very long, long train sessions and not getting the fueling correct. 
um, and your body is basically breaking down muscle, which means that it's then drawing in. Um, the, the, what happens is that you, you end up with a lower protein, overall body protein. So the body then draws in fluid um, and you become it's actually it's actually something that, you know, you should you should be really, really mindful of because it's not a good sign. It doesn't it suggests that something's out of kilter. So if you are noticing that, I would really, really have a look at your training again, have a look at your nutrition. Are you getting the recovery in? Are you training? Are you fueling on your long sessions? Like the number of people I have spoken to in the last few weeks who are doing big, long rides, big, long runs, but are just not fueling. Um, and a lot of it's because it sounds, it, it, it's all the same thing. Well, yeah, I'll do it in my, in my race, but I, I don't see the point in training because I'm not really going out as hard. It's like, well, if you don't practice your fueling in your training, you're never going to get it right on, on race day. So, so yeah, that's often, it's often the cause um, that there's, there's usually some breakdown going on within the body that needs to be addressed. Okay, Chris, this is one that's come in. Um, I normally train with weights in the gym and have done so for a number of years. So is there any point training with body weight exercises or should I just wait until I get and get back in the gym? Yeah, I kind of, I, I think I posted about this the other day actually. So it was funny, I, I smile when I, when I hear that because like for me, it's been the biggest revelation again to, to learn how to, you know, to develop my strength from not only me, but from all my, all my clients recently using pr pr primarily obviously body weight exercises, resistance bands, free weights, because obviously the situation we've been in the last couple of months, but yeah, I, I would question that individual and say like, have, when was the last time you, you know, can you perform basic a basic athletic kind of test. So can you do a single leg squat? Can you stand on one leg and perform like a single leg RDL? Like can you balance? Like, because there's so many things when it comes to being a, a strong human or a, a strong athlete that require more than just loading heavy weights. You know, this is coming from me. Obviously I run, I've got a gym. I love getting, putting weight through people and progressively building them up. But there are some basic expectations that you should you should have basic requirements that you should have as a as a strong individual, and I would I would love to see that individual go through a basic battery of tests. Can you perform twenty single leg squats off each leg? Can you you know can you do perform twenty to thirty single leg hamstring bridges? You know these are all the tests that we just put the basic tests that we put all our guys through is a screen right just to see how balanced that individual is. And then if there's any deficiencies, that's what we work on. So, yeah, I mean, this last couple of months have been amazing because it kind of it's allowed me to deep dive into a whole battery of like new body weight movements that my word, like have challenged myself, given me a level of like muscle soreness, I guess, in the first few weeks that I was, I was a bit shocked by, but overall, like the results we've been getting just from training body weight have been amazing. I think, don't forget like three months is a long period to not be training. So if you aren't adequately stressing the body, you know, and challenging those weaknesses and you're, you've taken a back seat, don't be surprised if little things start to start to crop up, little niggles, little injuries, because you're not maintaining. And most of all the work that we do is about maintenance, right? It's preventing injury from happening and not, re not having to react to a situation. So those of you thinking that, oh, me not lifting weights, yes, you, you know, you're, you, you, we don't have that option. You're not going to be lifting those peak numbers, what you normally do. But my word, do not forget how important it is just to move well on a daily basis or you know, every other day especially if you are prone to 
lower limb issues, hip issues, back issues, or you like to put a lot of volume into your body, you better you better have a um, a constant maintenance strength program that you're following, because otherwise, if it's not happening right now, in a month, two months after all that volume is accumulated and you put all that volume into your body you're going to start to pull up niggles because there's simply an imbalance that comes with doing a lot of one thing consistently. So yeah, I would, I would say get yourself a, a, a you should be on a program and there's a lot of benefits from um, body weight resistance band, free weight based pro training. Cool. We need McGregor. Um, there's some good ones here for you. Um, why do I find myself using food for comfort when I'm lonely? Oh God, this is quite a big question. Um, in fact, I did um, an event with um, Kimberly Wilson last week, who's a, who's a charge of psychologist, on actually what does, it, what does comfort eating actually mean? Because I think one of the things that people don't realise is that the term comfort eating, emotional eating and stress eating are all interchangeable. But actually, when I think about comfort eating or eating for comfort, should I say, um, Actually, I don't have an issue with it to a certain degree because for me, the term comfort is about soothing. It's about providing um, nurturing. Like it's, it's, it's something. So for me, like I think we've talked about this before, my, my favorite comfort foods will be things like baked beans on toast with cheese because it takes me back to a place where, um, you know, I've come in from the cold, usually something like brownies or, or, or like it's been raining and I've been out um doing some sort of like hockey match or something and then we get baked beans on toast with cheese and it's that warmness and that kind of remembering all the the cheerful faces and the laughter and you know about growing up so for me comfort eating for comfort is not a bad thing but i think what this question is is asking is is why do i maybe go down the road of more like emotional binge eating type mm. um scenario and there's there's a number of reasons that there's 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 always a physiological reason, which I think is really important to highlight that if you are somebody who is in that mentality of, I need to basically get leaner or lose weight, and that's the main focus of your training, which it is for a lot of people, um, you end up over restricting your intake, particularly during the day, like it's a really classic thing we see that people will restrict their intake during the day, which then kind of almost sets them up to fed in the evening because they are tired. They're probably, um, you know, they are hungry because they've done a lot, they've done their training. And so they, they start to eat and then they, they, they don't feel like they can stop. And that's a physiological drive as well, because physiologically um, your body will be trying to achieve energy balance and so if you want to start eating, it will want to try and fuel up and get what it needs. And, you know, I see this sometimes even in myself, like when I've had really busy clinics and I haven't been able to eat properly, I get home in the evening and, I, and I'm, I'm like, oh my God, I'm, I'm really hungry because my body's just trying to catch up. And it's, it's not, I don't go into a binge eating or anything like that, but I'm just very conscious that I will probably eat majority of my energy at the end of the day rather than during the day. Whereas the days when I eat, properly around my training and I'm able to I've got the time to, to do that I'm I don't notice it in the evening so it's it's a really important thing to be aware of but yes I think food is emotional if we go back to you know like if you go back to being a baby 
and babies will will experience hunger and they will cry because hunger itself is an uncomfortable feeling like physiologically it's uncomfortable to be hungry like there's a whole reason for that because it's the way the body's way of telling you that you need nutrition like it's that's that's the basis of it and it's a very uncomfortable feeling and babies learn when they are feeling that feeling they cry and they get fed and that's soothing and obviously you know with the whole way that babies are fed whether it's a bottle fed or whether it's breastfed there's the comfort of being close to the mother or the or the father and the smell of the parent and the, and the, and the way you hold it so you learn very early on the comfort around feeding as such and sometimes then when our lives get complicated or um messy and we don't learn as i said earlier we don't learn to understand our emotions and deal with them we learn different coping mechanisms so we have people who restrict their eating because they don't they don't feel they're deserving of comfort for whatever reason but then you also have people who go into this need for i need something they're very aware like they're almost in a better position mentally because they're aware that they need comfort they just haven't quite worked out how to do that without using food as that um that tool so i would say that the first thing i would say to somebody in this scenario is is address what loneliness is like you know i've had moments and i've said to you chris i've had moments of feeling incredibly lonely but when i've explored and been curious about that what that's shown me is that i actually um value companionship i value human contact and obviously, sometimes that's been very difficult to achieve over the last few months because of our, our situation. But then what can I do? What are the other things I can do to help me? And that sometimes that's been picking up the phone to you or picking up the phone to another friend or, um, you know, like, um, you know, maybe just doing a video call or whatever it might be. And, and it's, it's not the same, but it, it does help temporarily because of our, our scenario. So I think... If you're finding that your relationship with food is um, uncomfortable for you, as in you feel like you're using food as a way of kind of stopping yourself from looking at emotions, I would I would challenge you and I would ask you to actually try and work out what it is that your emotions are telling you. So try and be, again, go back to that, being curious about what is it that you're that you're not wanting to experience or not wanting to to feel because that is really important to work out can i just i know when it comes to the consistency like i find that a lot of people lack that consistency and so they're on that kind of undulating you no know, day in day out they're kind of those emotional emotional states all over the place so for, like for me like and as you said like when you're when you're at work and if you're not consistent with those with, with your food with your food you, you you start to behave irrationally you start to become emotional about like you know your mood your mood state ch- changes now i i definitely find that and you know that's when you start reaching for all those things and that as a from a from a training and coach point of view like consistency is everything and as soon as my people i work with lose that consistency because of work or family or whatever gets in the way that's when their behaviors their behaviors shift and they they lose that and then they start to reach for those foods or those comforts those comfort foods which are designed to kind of bring comfort uh to, to a certain degree but if but i think it is a massive question isn't it that it's quite an open open question but i think bringing consistency into your life into that into your food is going to give you a bit more a stronger position 
to be able to think a bit clearer, I think, in, in regards to that. But I think what I'm trying to say is that there's, there's, no, there's no harm in thinking you need a food for comfort. Like, for example, you know, I don't think there's any harm in going, do you know what, today I really want a hot chocolate with marshmallows or whatever because I need comfort. That's okay. That's, that's, I think it's really important for people to understand it's okay to need yeah. comfort, you know, and, and, have, and, and there'll be an association with that. I guess what we're trying to say is we, what, we're, what we don't want people to do is to use food as a way of masking what's really going on for them. And, and I suppose they're, they're two slightly different things and um, it's, it's, it's a wider topic, but hopefully that's provided some, um, some information. Um, okay, so one for you, Chris. Um, do you know why I get numb toes and cold feet? Um, I've got quite poor circulation anyway, but losing feeling in my toes when I'm cycling. Just, um, I've just got some new shoes and the same thing happens. Doesn't matter what the weather is or whether I'm inside or not, I can't loosen my shoes enough to stop it because my feet will fall out. Hmm. So when it comes to this, I've, I heard this, I've heard this quite a lot over the years and it actually happened to Polly. It used to happen to Polly a lot. We used to talk about her feet going numb, hands going numb, um, and this was like, you know, this is in Australia as well. So this would be, you know, and, um, you know, it, it gets cold, but it's, you know, like even with boots on and stuff, you know, you shouldn't be experiencing it that bad all the time. Um, and so, you know, we used to talk about like, oh, you know, is it the shoes? Should we, you know, do we need to adjust things, et cetera, et cetera. But then we found out, obviously, it's a symptom of other things. You know, other things are going on physiologically. Um, and obviously with Paul's history, we realized it was, it was another symptom of that you know in terms of her body beginning to kind of protect certain things and of the blood flow restricted blood flow uh, so i think actually this is probably a question potentially that maybe really you might be able to help me out with, with a little bit more because essentially it's it's yeah well, you can you can you support me here a little bit with this one yeah i mean i i mean basically if you're feeling cold a lot and you have poor circulation unless you have been diagnosed with something like Raynaud's syndrome which there you know there is a an app absolute poor circulation going on um then it's most likely to be about low energy availability and not providing the body with enough i mean i notice it even now like if i don't feel properly after a training session or i haven't had you know i know you know we should we should all have good practices but every now and again um you can't you you, you know you you for whatever reason then i will be freezing like the other day i came back from my run and i just got distracted by i did eat something but i then got distracted because i had to answer emails and the phone went and then a parcel came and by the time i actually managed to think oh my god i need a shower and stuff i was freezing and that's what made me sort of prompt me to think oh i, I need a shower it was like it was probably an hour and a half later and although i'd managed to have something quick it wasn't sufficient to to, to, to warm my body up appropriately. So I would say in this scenario, I don't think it's about shoes. I think this is about your nutrition. Um, it would sound like to me, you're probably not fueling your body sufficiently enough. And again, people, people get really funny about this. I've had a, a few people this week um, who, you know, in their head, they're the weight that they want to be or the weight they think is acceptable for them. And they worry that if they then increase their nutrition, they're suddenly gonna, you know, just put on a lot of weight and then that would defeat their, the purpose of their performance. But it doesn't always happen. If your body is showing signs of energy preservation, like poor circulation, 
like maybe your periods have stopped or getting more erratic, like um, poor mood, um, potentially like um, more infections or whatever, poor sleep, then actually when you put more fuel in the system, you have to, it, it kind of goes to go and do those things. It doesn't go to put on weight because the reason why your body is struggling is there's not enough energy in the system and so it's slowing it down. So, yeah, I think in this case, it would sound like to me there needs, needs some thought needs to be taken into are you fueling before you go out? Are you fueling enough on the bike? Like That's a big thing as well. And how quickly are you recovering when you get back in? Like Those are really, really important for me. Yeah, I mean, it, again, so just obviously case study-wise, you know, Polly used to have chronic, like it used, to be, it used to be a nightmare, like even getting into bed, right? Even in the evening at night her feet were like icy cold, you know, I couldn't behead that, you know, when like you're, someone's touches your skin, oh my God, that's freezing. You know, I think I had an ice queen, I think you used to call her. Guess what though? Over the last couple of years, things have shifted for her, George, etc. She no longer has that white tip fingers and no longer has those icy feet in when I get into bed. And it's, you know, a direct correlation with her improving her nutritional, you know, nutritional intake and obviously shifting her hormonal, you know, hormonally, hormonally she shifted. So just, just be aware that these are symptoms. These are little underlying symptoms that are constantly, your body's telling you things that I've, I've learned the hard way. Obviously we, we learned the hard way as in we, we walk the walk. Um, but yeah, so it's just to be aware it, um, it, it's not always just the, uh, the the clothing you wear. I reckon we've got time for one more each. Oh, okay. Give me one. Um, uh, okay, Rini. Um, so we've got one coming. Hi, Rini. I just wanted to find out how you manage to run a business, be a mum and train as much as you do. Do you worry about burning out? Um, great question. Uh, <laughs> probably one Chris should answer for me. Um, I think I, and I'm not proud of this, I think I probably um, run on the cusp of burning out quite often. Um, and I think like one thing I'd say is hindsight is a, a wonderful thing. Um, and like, I'm quite fortunate now because the girls are much older, so they don't really, it doesn't really impact my training. So actually one of the best things I've learned and been able to do is is kind of know that for me the optimal time for training is probably an hour to two hours after I've woken up and had some fuel and then I can go out and train which is really really important and I guess because I run my own business I have been able to generally um, make my business work around that in that I've always made sure that my team know that I need at least an hour and a half a day um, for me to go and do something, whether that's, you know, walking Bailey or going for my run or, or working out um, with Chris, then, then that's really important. I think um, what I wish I'd never done, because I've definitely paid the consequences, was that when the girls were very little, um, the only time I was able to train was very early morning. So I was definitely one of those people that got up at 5 a.m., was out the door like 5.30, quarter to six. Um, and for that reason, I just think I put my body under so much stress. And I'm pretty sure, um, and the consultant's pretty sure too, that that was actually the cause of my autoimmune condition, sarcoidosis, because I just didn't get enough rest. And I had this kind of constantly raised cortisol level um, that impacted my immune system. So I think... God, it's really difficult. And one of the things I've learned over the years is that 
it's kind of what we're talking about all day, all today is I have to ask myself the question, why? Why am I doing this? What is the importance? And is this really benefiting me? Um, you know, because sometimes I think I just got caught up in the trap of feeling the need to prove myself, to prove that I was more than just a mum. And, and actually, I'm a runner too. And I can do all these different things. And that's a really dangerous place to be. Um, a lot of people I've spoken to in recent weeks, again, have sort of got that. Yeah, but I need to train. I think, again, as soon as you start saying I need to train, there's something wrong there. So um, how do I manage it? I mean, I'm very, very lucky. I have got great people like Chris in my life. And, um, you know, I've got really good friends. And I do have actually some other mentors who I do speak to regularly. You know, I have a, a mentor that helps with my business. And I have a mentor that helped me with the with the work I do, as in the, the psychological aspect of it. And I also work with Chris. Um, and I've got a team. You know, I've got a team around me now with my work. So I can speak to my team and say, guys, I'm exhausted. So I need you guys to, you know, do more on the social media side, or actually I need you to rearrange my diary or whatever it might be. So I guess experience has taught me. Um, that I need to balance things better because obviously to a certain degree, burnout's not an option for me. You know, if, if I burn out, I can't do my job, which means I can't pay the bills. So that actually makes me very, very conscious of balance. And whereas in the past, I probably would have put my training before my work and training before my health. Now I don't, if I'm tired or the body's not playing ball, I won't train. And I think it's really important to understand that. Mm. Having that person in your corner makes things much easier. I mean, I think I've said it three times, four times in this podcast, but like, so, like you're creating a team around you. Obviously you've done that because of the business, obviously. And, and then obviously having to have me as a coach, you've got, you know, you've got a, some, you know, we've got a couple of mentors in terms of your running to, to for your business. They've, they're in your, they're in your corner too. Those people who don't obviously have that set up, you know, that doesn't mean you don't have other people that you can bounce off. You know, there's people, you know, your, your partner, your husband, your wife, your, you know, you've got friends. And if not, then you reach out to other professionals. You know, they, that's why you have a coach. I mean, I work with a number of different people, obviously, who, you know, they've got they've got numerous things going on in their life. And, and not only do they come to me or any for like obviously a program to have guidance etc but it's also that accountability to keep checking in and going okay am i doing too much am i doing too little you know is this too much is this too intense is it am i you know do i need to back off a little bit and you know there's all those questions week in week out but it's having those people that you can bounce bounce off because again if you're in your own head um especially you know, when you're a mum like we all work with a lot of mums and they are they want to you know a lot of them are high achievers they want to do a lot with their time but you know, being a mum is an incredible amount of work, like, and be proud of that. Like, I, I you know, with Polly being a mum, I get to see it. You know, there's someone there who is a, she's got the professional athlete mindset as well, but also trying to be a mum. She's also trying to help me with the business, be there to help me with the business, etc. So many things going on. And, and I think, yeah, I mean, the other thing I'd say is, is that, um, and this is very easy for me to say, but don't compare. Mm. Please don't compare. Because like I see so many women like looking at other women going, oh, well, they were back out doing stuff after 12 weeks of having given birth. And they, do you know what? I didn't start running. I didn't start any exercise. And I, I'm, I'm being honest. So I had Maya and I was very, I was young. I was quite a young mom. So I had Maya quite young. 
I didn't do any exercise for her first year because I just wanted to enjoy her. And I'm, you know, I, I breastfed and we did lots of walks, but that was it. And, and I actually, you know, I, I returned back to my pre-pregnancy weight without really thinking about it because I was just, you know, just looked after her and, and that was enough. And I fell pregnant quite quickly again with Ella. Um, so I didn't actually start thinking about some sort of exercise for me until Ella was 11 months old. Um, and that that was I think that was really important for me because um, I didn't want that pressure to, to feel like I had to jump straight back into um, looking a certain way and, and being a certain way. And, and I was really strong about that. But it's so easy as a mother to compare and go, God, like, you know, such and such was out doing a doing a race like 12 weeks after they'd given birth. I don't know if that's actually healthy. It's not my place to say, but personally, I just, for me, that would not have been right. It just wouldn't have worked for me. And I think you, you have to look at yourself and, um, God, like my girls are now 15 and 17 and I know you hear it all the time, but it, it goes so fast, like so fast. And in hindsight, like I said, hindsight's a wonderful thing actually do I wish I had not trained as much when they were little and and enjoyed being with them a bit more absolutely because there are definite times when I'd you know been out at 5 a.m in the morning I was so exhausted I couldn't do the baking with them or I couldn't do the the painting with them or I would and I'd get angry with them because you know I was exhausted and that's not their fault that was my fault and I feel bad about that and and again you know we learn from our experiences but again if I can part any bit of knowledge on that it would be that it's it's hard work being a mum full stop and then on top of that you know we're, we're usually juggling lots of different things and and even now like I'm, I'm now a single mum and and I find it difficult you know I find it tough juggling and making sure that I'm present for them like at the moment we're going through this really tricky time and both girls actually really do need me present to help them with their studies, to give them routine, to, you know, like Maya's applying for different um, courses and looking at universities and and she needs her mum because she 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 relies on me to to, to help her. So yesterday she sent me this application and said, Mum, can you please check it? And you know, I had to make sure that there was space to do that because that has got to take priority. There are I, I think it's very easy to think that, yeah, but I need stuff time for me, which you do, but you know what, if you can't race or you can't run, you know, that's not the end of the world because you can do that afterwards. You can do that when they're a bit older. Um yeah, that's not me telling you guys what to do. That's just how, that's just my reflection on my process. There's a bit of sacrifice there. Like, as in, like, you've got to be prepared to sacrifice something. Like, with all these people that you're comparing yourself with, obviously there's sacrifice in their lifestyle going on somewhere. They've, they're letting something else go to, to allow them to have time to do, to do X or Y. So there's always that sacrifice they're making, whether you, you're aware, you, whether you can see that or you're aware of that there is always sacrifice going on. And I think we talked about this, how like trying to do everything in your week is, is tough because you know, you've got a lot going on in your life. And so we're talking about, well, you might have to sort of in a nice way, sacrifice a little bit of mileage of your running mm -hmm. just to allow you to have the energy to be present 
for to be like and that is life is about sacrifice and especially when you're bringing in like family and stuff like you know Polly's the same thing but there is sacrifice there and I think obviously it's, it's not easy it's easy to say that because obviously it's hard to let go of certain things but I think you've got to moderate things and you've got to work out what the priorities are and really step outside of yourself and kind of work out what what it what person what what do you really want to prioritize right now and it might be your training but um yeah i think it's it's hard isn't it everyone's different yeah exactly right last question for you chris um i have a recurring ache pain in my hip that kind of comes and goes do i need to continue stretching this out or do i need to strengthen it somehow hmm loads of questions you get that kind of get with, with this one you know you always get the ones of people asking about this and that guys it always comes back to the you know you've got to get yourself in front of the right people um you know that's why we have this you know we're so proud to have a team around us so when i had that kind of question just straight in front of a physio straight in front of a health professional that's going to kind of give you those real clarity of that situation um something like that though that is another simple for me it's a red flag i do it does make me wonder i'm not a big fan of any stretching anything out like that so obviously straight away i'd probably you know before you even first thing i'd say is don't don't stretch it don't over don't attack that problem with a with a direct stretch or anything um yes it could it could be a, a strength issue but i would say you've got to get in front of a uh, a health professional um my gut would say that if you're having a reoccurring pain like that and if you're looking at other other areas, physiological areas, it could easily be something like a stress reaction, worst case scenario. So, you know, attacking the problem head on. So if I said, you know, if I was a gung-ho strength coach, I'd be like, no, we're good. We, we can build up the glutes, hamstrings. We'll, you know, we'll, we'll develop the strength around that. We'll put some mobility drills into that. However, if I take a step back and look at you as an individual, I would also be wanting to know what your nutrition, your what your nutrition looks like, what your training volume looks like. There's quite a few other things I'd be interested to see first, and I'm sure Rini, you probably you probably got a few thoughts on this one too. Yeah, I mean, you know, um, the reason why for me it's red flag is that it, it's taking me back to a, a few years ago when I worked with a, a really, um, you know very talented young professional triathlete and her hip was her continual problem like and um by the time she came and presented to me she she really was in a lot of pain and um we did get her an mri and yeah she had she had a stress stress reaction she hadn't had periods for four years and she'd been told that was normal um and she'd actually had i can't remember maybe it's five or six stress fractures in 18 months i'm sorry but that is not okay right that that's not okay that shouldn't be dismissed by a, by anyone like people should be going what's going on here like so, and then we did, we actually did a bone scan and I, I would suggest if you have this kind of continual pain, it's worth getting a bone scan. We did a, a DEXA scan on, on her and, and lo and behold, she had osteopenia, you know, which basically present, now this girl, this athlete was a normal weight, like she wasn't underweight. She, she was a normal weight. She, and you know, she was actually, if you looked at her eating to an untrained eye, you would go, actually, she's eating really well. But actually when you then started to really look at the intensity of the training she was being put under, she just wasn't meeting her carbohydrate availability around that very high intensity work. Mm 
And unfortunately, this, this constant pain that she had then, and she, she, she overcame her um, fracture. She, she got a period back and she has had regular periods ever since. And that was four years ago now. Um, however, she has continually ended up with issues with her hip. Um, and she's really frustrated because she kind of knows that she probably is the one who caused that long-term potentially permanent damage um, and it is affecting her ability to compete so I would say firstly please don't ignore a recurring pain like don't and don't train on it it it's just don't it's one of those ones that goes away. Probably we kind of went down the rabbit hole there a bit, you know. Obviously, we went to the extreme level there, but just understand. Obviously, these are the sort of symptoms we we hear about all the time, and obviously, our job is to preempt them, get ahead of it. You know, like we do not want any of you stopping the things that you love doing. And and like when you hear, you hear these symptoms, it, you know, there's a spectrum of symptoms. Symptoms, you know, these red flags that we talk about, where you know, like and these underlying things that are just going to accumulate and build and build and build until you start to red flag in multiple different areas, and then by that time. As, as Rini says, you get in front of us or you have the right, you get the, you know, you, it's too late. So like these reoccurring symptoms, these things that just, you know, they, they, they come and go, they are, they're warning signs. They're, they're telling you something. And as soon as you're in front of the right people, they are, you know, like it's, again, we, we do not want you to stop doing the things that you love. Okay. Like, and that's the most important thing. We want you to run, bike, swim, do anything you want with your body, but your body's telling you something. And if you're not going to like, it's always talking to you and if you can then as obviously we're used to obviously reading these signs from the outside looking in but your ability to be able to read your own body read your own symptoms that's that's gold and that's what we want for all of you is to, to educate and be understand this so not to bring it to the negative so quickly but just understand the ramifications of not listening to these symptoms is huge and we see it and it's it's, it's not fun so yeah <laughs> don't stretch it um, get in front of a professional um, and obviously just it's, it's really locked down on some of those other areas that it might not just be a, a mobility issue or a muscular imbalance it could be a lot it could, there's a lot of other variables that you might want to consider great I think I think we've covered all of those questions so um, yeah so it's been another amazing series uh, again thank you so much for your support as always Please do leave us feedback and reviews. Like um, again, it really helps to get people um, tuning in and, and getting the right information that they need. And um, as we said, we'll be back. We're going to take a few weeks off, I think, um, and aim to be back b- around the second week of July. Um, but we'll keep you posted, obviously, on our social channels. And in the meantime, from me, it's goodbye and stay safe. Yeah, guys, thank you very much for a great season. I'm really looking forward to kind of jumping back in and interviewing a few of our, well, we've got a few people lined up, haven't we? But um, yeah, no, just look, obviously keep in contact, guys. Obviously reach out to us anytime. Uh, we're always available, both of our kind of, both of our contacts. Um, but yeah, in the meantime, we'll speak to you soon.